Well, good morning, Tuesday Church. I'm going to call Cliff over in Egypt and tell him that y'all didn't show up today. I got to tell you how excited I was when I pulled up and I saw cars, rows of cars, long lines, signs with my name on it lining the driveway. Hundreds of people lined out the door. I thought, they've come to hear me speak today. Boy, was I wrong. I am the online pastor. My name is John Cox, and it would be remiss for me if I didn't say hello to all of our online folks. We're so glad you're here. Would you give them a round of applause? And especially thank you to Kathy, who is hosting this service for us. Dan is probably back there as well. We've got a lot of great tech people that make this ministry and all of our ministries happen here. Shane is probably somewhere in the building. I know Mike has put our scriptures together for today. So I'm very appreciative of all of that. Uh, we also have hair and makeup people. I've been through that and wardrobe as well. So I think we're all ready to go. Okay, ready? All right, here we go. So this is among my favorite times of the entire year. The end of the year, you get to look at the beginning and kind of see it in the rearview mirror. It's leaving. The new one is coming. I'm excited about those opportunities and the challenges of 2023. I want these last weeks to go slowly by so that I can enjoy this season of Thanksgiving, which is what I call the holiday season, really from about November 1 through about January the 1st, I love it. I love the food. I love the smells. I love the visits. I love the family. I love extended family. I love the cards. I love the crush of people out shopping. I don't love that as much as I love the others, but... I still love it. I love just about everything about this time of the year. One of my favorite things are gingerbread houses. Anybody? Yeah, when I was a kid, they were like miracles to me. Um, we were given strict instructions not to touch them. And by the time we were allowed to touch them, they weren't any good. Um, you know, they had grown stale, they weren't fresh, the icing just, you know, it just was not a great experience. But in the last several decades, people begun eating their gingerbread houses all the time. I remember this great competition in Bloomington, Illinois, where my kids were born, and they had a gingerbread house contest one year, and it was incredible. Yeah, take a look at that. Doesn't that just make you, doesn't that just say, here am I, eat me? That's what it says to me. We opened the, um, the embassy suites in Concord, North Carolina, when I was the Chamber of Commerce director there. And one of the really cool benefits of having the embassy suites open was they did a community-wide gingerbread house contest. And we could come in, see it all, take pictures, and sample if you were lucky. I love those little houses of bread. But I want to speak to you in this season about another house of bread. Now, it's not the house of pancakes. You can Google house of pancakes. You can Google house of waffles. You can Google the 10 best pancakes places in Daytona. You'll not find this anywhere there. This is a different kind of house of pancakes. And I'll show you. So in the book of Micah, the Old Testament prophet begins writing this way. Uh, marshal your troops, O city of troops. He's speaking about Jerusalem. 
You know, Israel was known for a great army, a great fortress, uh, great warriors, great conquests in battle. They were politically number one, sociologically number one, militarily number one, economically number one. Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among you, among the clans of Judah, from you, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins is from of old, from ancient times. You know who that passage, passage is speaking about. Speaking about Jesus. It's a great passage from the standpoint of Israel is so big and so strong. But God took something from the smallest, weakest, nondescript part of Israel. Nobody would ever go to Bethlehem to look for anything. I've been to Bethlehem. Very small. Maybe at this time a population of about 400 people. Just not a lot going on. But God speaks to us about Bethlehem. Lehem. A Hebrew word, Beth means house, like Beth El means house of God. Beth Lehem means house of bread. And God uses this imagery of bread all throughout Old and New Testament to talk about how he's willing to deal with, love, and care for his people. Not just physically. You know, like in uh, Exodus chapter 13 or 16, when the people of Israel are crying out and, and they're very unhappy. Uh, they've been on the journey for a while and they said to Moses and Aaron, you know, every night always gets meat, 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 every night just meat. We want more than meat. Where is the bread? So they're complaining. God's been providing the whole time. They're just not happy with his menu. Have you ever felt that way in your own life? I mean, be real about it. God's given you life. He's given you breath. He's given you opportunity. And you just don't like his menu. You know, I would really like something else, Lord, besides the meat. Isn't there anything else? After all, I'm on this keto diet and no. So God says to Moses, tell them I'm going to be sending bread their way. And they can go every morning and they can pick it up. They can eat it. The, the bread of angels. The bread of God that's come down from heaven. They called it manna. Manna. It's a Hebrew word that means, what is this? They were once again unsatisfied. And so they took the gift that God gave them and gave it a nondescript name. What is this? I don't know, Charlie, but go out there and pick it up. It's going to be there every morning and we're to eat it. And that's, what's, that's what God is going to give us to live on. All right, let's go to the next scripture. Uh, the next scripture. Maybe, yeah. So this is in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the desert to be tempted by the devil... After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, what would you be? He was hungry. You know, there are two or three times in the Bible when the devil actually speaks. In the Garden of Eden, he speaks to man. He's speaking to Eve and to Adam. He speaks 
to man speaking down God. God is lying. In the book of Matthew, he speaks to the God-man. He speaks to Jesus. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if... Now that word translated if is actually the word since. So in this example and every time, Satan actually acknowledges who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. If, since, you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread, right? I used to joke with my wife when we were first married about another person I knew whose wife could take bread and turn it into stone. Anybody ever happened to you? There are some restaurants, I won't name them because they're national brands, and you walk in, you sit down, and they bring you out a hot basket of these big, yes, and they're good as long as they're hot, so for about the first five minutes. I took some home and left them on the counter for about two days, and when I went back, they were hard as rocks. So we know how to turn bread into stone, but Satan is trying to tempt Jesus to take these stones that God has already created and turn it into bread, something that man has created. So that's the temptation. Let it become bread. Next slide. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. You know, there's a series of temptations in Matthew chapter 4 that the devil is tempting Jesus with. And do you know, every time Jesus responds with not a bad mood, not sarcasm, not anything that's underhanded, incorrect, or false, he responds with Scripture. He quotes scripture back to Satan. In fact, every one of the verses that Jesus cites in Matthew 4 is from the book of Deuteronomy. You could say that the book of Deuteronomy is Jesus' favorite book. Have you ever read Jesus' favorite book? You ought to give it a try. He says, man does not live by bread alone. Well, what does man live by? And you may remember, do we have Matthew 13 on there, Mike? So Matthew 13, I think, is the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer where Jesus taught us how to pray. Uh, maybe we don't, but you'll remember the part of the prayer that says, give us this day our daily. Yeah, he's not asking for yesterday's leftover pieces. He's not asking for tomorrow's, whatever tomorrow is going to bring. He's saying in this moment. As we are living, as we are children of God on this planet, give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes when we look into the mirror, we're asking for a whole lot more than that. We're asking for lands and powers and travels and children and all kinds of things. And the thing that you can ask God for is your daily bread. Uh, maybe that was, what's Matthew six eleven? Yes, that's from the model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And then there's one chapter you can just jump to and hang on to. If you want to talk about the bread of life, 
the house of bread. And that's John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we, speak, we see Jesus speaking. You remember the context is he has just fed like 5,000 people. I don't know if it was the five loaves and two fishes. I don't know how much it takes to feed 5,000 people. But in the hand of Jesus, even a little can become a lot. I think that's so helpful for me when I think about, Lord, I'm not tall. And Lord, I can't sing. And Lord, I don't have a great voice. And Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't. But what God says to us over and over and over again is, look, give me the little that you have. Those are gifts that I've given you. Put them in my hand. Let me bless them and see how many tens, hundreds, thousands of people you can bless. A question for you to think about is what are you doing with the bread that God has placed in your hands? What are you doing about it? All right. So in John 6 verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Will never be thirsty. He is, Jesus is, the bread that is living. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's the first of many I am statements that he makes. But he's telling us, I am alive and active. Just as we take bread for our human nourishment to live, and oh, there's some great breads in this world, right? When you put icing on them, they become a cake. Or you get cinnamon rolls from Bucky's. Have you ever done that? No one wants to admit it. They're good. But he is the bread that is living. That's the message that we carry. It's not just an image that Jesus puts in our mind like, this loaf of bread. I don't know what it might mean to you. We like sourdough bread. And that's what this is. So we'll probably eat it. I say we. We like it. I don't know what it means to you. But for some it's a meal. For some it's what they need to literally exist. Someone described evangelism. And defined it this way. One beggar. Telling another beggar how to find bread. And Jesus defines for all time, for all people, where you can find bread, it is him. And when you find him, you're going to discover that he is living. And he wants to live in you and through you and in this world. The bread is living. So the bread never grows stale. When we were kids, we were poor like everybody else. And our single mom worked at a state, um, a state uh, uh, mental health place for kids. And on occasion, if we were lucky and they overmade the number of loaves of bread that was needed in a day, she would bring it home. Now, sometimes we didn't get that bread until it was past the time where it could be appropriately served. And so we'd sit down. We didn't know how good or bad it was. And we would taste it and we would know that it's stale. But if you're a beggar, 
it doesn't make any difference if it's stale or not. If you can eat it, you're going to eat it. And so how do you come to Jesus today? How do you come to him? The finest, highest saint in the room? Or the lowest, saddest sinner on the planet? In a way, it doesn't make any difference because, because Jesus makes provision for you with the bread which never grows stale. The bread is living. It is active. Then he tells us that the bread which is living ever satisfies. It never grows stale and it ever satisfies. John chapter 6 verse 40. We have that. For my father's will. Yep. For my father's will. That is this is what God wants to do. My father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Remember Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Remember back in Exodus when they did things uh, that just broke the heart and the will of God and snakes came and bit them and they were dying and they held up Moses' staff. And he said, if you'll look to this staff, God will save you. And he did. And Jesus, the New Testament version of this, but for all eternity, if the Son of Man be lifted up, I, he says, will draw all men unto me. He is the bread which ever satisfied. And it doesn't make any difference what your great need is. And again, I ask you to think about what your needs really are. The difference between a need and a want. You know, we played the game when our kids were little. What would you like for Christmas? They never said, well, I need a toothbrush. They never said, well, I need new clothes, new pajamas. None of those practical things. They would say, I want, I want. And a good father wants to give his children the things that they want. But the good father must also give them the things that they need. And so he gives them the bread, whichever satisfies. Now we can get tripped up on a lot of things. We can be all kinds of addicted, all kinds of addicted. We can become addicted to old memories that we just cannot get through. Some of us have been through divorces that we still recall how painful it was. And every time we mention the former spouse's name, some of that comes back. And there's anger and sorrow and brokenness. Your addiction is what you want to be addicted to. But Jesus says, you know what? The bread of life can satisfy your every need. A broken home, a broken relationship, a broken heart. Maybe your bank account's not where it wants to be and you don't have a job or the job you have is not the job you want. Some of you have lived through that. You did 20 years or 30 years or 40 years in a job and you got nothing out of it. <laughs> there was a man, uh, I knew he worked at this uh, wood shop for 40 years. And every night, the rest of the crew, as they were all leaving, they'd see him uh, carry, push out a big wheelbarrow and the next day he'd bring it back. And uh, he pushed that wheelbarrow out every single day. And finally, at the going away party, the retirement, they'd ask him, did you just tell us, were you stealing stuff? Were you putting 
tools in there? What were you doing with all those wheelbarrows? He said, well, yeah, I was stealing wheelbarrows. Stealing wheelbarrows. Okay. Well, you'll probably hear that again on Sunday morning. So what is it about where you are that causes you to feel unwanted, unhelpful, unneeded, abused? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that ever satisfies. He is the living bread. And that living bread is not just living, but it gives life to others. So we have the obligation to share it. You ever talk anymore about, hey, come to the house. We'd like to break bread with you. We don't say that very often. But that's the picture that's given here. The breaking of bread to share intimately with people that we know, that we love, that we care for. Or that we want to impact in a positive way for Jesus Christ. How about you? And then there is the bread which forever leads to God. He says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 verses 48 through 51. Right there. It's coming. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So that's the first statement Jesus makes about being I am. Remember when God was trying to convince Moses? Has God ever had to convince you of anything? Trying to convince Moses to go be his spokesperson. And Moses said, who shall I say is sending me? And God said, I am that I am. Jesus, as God, picks the same theme up in the New Testament. He says in the Gospel of uh, John, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So this is the bread that forever leads to God. We want and can be on a number of different pathways. We can be going everywhere. We, I know people, based on what they put on social media are putting their faith in a number of different things, including social media. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's enough. That's all you need. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other exit. There's no other entrance. There's no other plan. There's no other opportunity than Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have the obligation to accept it, to live it. The bread of life that is living and that takes us to God forever. A week or so ago, I was driving out LPGA, uh, coming toward I-95 on my way home from work. I work for the city of Holly Hill. It's my other job. And every Monday, somebody from Publix is so nice to come in and they bring 
all kinds of cookies and breads and stuff. And as I said, we like this sourdough bread. So I went in there yesterday because I knew I was going to need it today. As I was coming home on LPGA, I saw a woman uh, that I'd seen before and she was working that corner. And she had a sign that she was holding up for people to read that said, can you help me? I have nothing and I am in want. Something along those lines. And the way the traffic signal was working that day, it happened that I was able to stop right there. And I don't carry cash. And the only thing I had with me was a loaf of sourdough bread. As I said, I like it. But I thought, you know what? This lady is in need. So I motioned for her to come over to the car. And I held the bread up and I said, this is all I have. And she took one look at it, made a face and pushed her hand away. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker. It's kind of crazy. She was indicating that she was in great need, but what I had to meet her need was not what she wanted. And I think there's a great lesson there for all of us. What God needs from us often is not what we want. We need to want the things that God needs. Now, I doubt that when we get to heaven, those mansions that Jesus has gone to build on behalf of each one of us look anything like those gingerbread houses, which is okay. I think they're going to be incredible, something we can't even imagine. And we're going to have the opportunity there one day to talk with him. You know, Lord, when I wanted this, you needed that. When I wanted this, you needed that. How are you dealing with God on that subject today? Maybe you're wanting to live your life your own way and you need Jesus Christ. There's a button on the online service that says, I have decided. Push that button. We will reach out to you. Maybe you're here and you've never made that kind of commitment. Maybe you've just come along with somebody today to see their church and have lunch with them. And that's a wonderful thing. Think of it this way. What is it that you want that God needs? And that's where the intersection of real faith and real life and real love dovetail together. And out of that will come incredible ministry. Abundant life, as Jesus said. So as you think about this time of the year, when you smell those smells and prepare those meals, I hope when you make that loaf of bread, you'll remember that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me shall never hunger again.
Will you do that? Is that a deal? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us all that we need in Jesus Christ. Thank you for him, the bread of life, in whose name I pray. Amen. Blessings.